0: This morning, we're going to continue where we left off two weeks ago. And by the way, I want to say thank you to Terry, one of our elders here. Brother, thank you so much for standing in my my, my gone, my absence. And uh, Terry is an incredible teacher. Um, he has a gift that God has given him. So thank you, brother, for, for doing that. Yeah, glory to God. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, please turn with me to the First book of the Bible, the Genesis, which means beginning. Let's go to Genesis chapter 39. And we're going to continue our study, trusting God when life doesn't make sense. And uh, we know that that's a true statement because life doesn't always make sense. But thank God that He doesn't ask us to understand everything, He just asks that we would trust Him even in the times of life when it makes no sense. And I thank God that we can trust Him. And so this morning, we'll continue that study, and we're going to look at um, just really a a, a a word that I came up with this week as I was out of town and I was elk hunting. Um, we were in Colorado. Uh, five of us were out there chasing around the wapiti, um, the elk, and... Uh, what an incredible uh, time it is to get away and to get in God's creation. Um, it's, it's absolutely amazing. For those of you that have that opportunity to get away, the mountains are a great place for you to do that. And this, it, how insignificant you feel when you're there, especially when the sun goes down over the western mountains. Uh, and you're there left in the middle of the wilderness. Uh, how it makes you feel, how small, how big, how great our God is. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn there in uh, chapter 39 and we'll begin. But let me pray first. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you tell us in your word that, Father, you, your word is alive. That, God, it's living and that it's active. And, Lord, the power, God, doesn't come from a speaker. The power comes from your Holy Spirit and the living word. Father, I thank you, Lord, that it goes out and it accomplishes, Father, what you set out for it to accomplish. And today, Lord, in this group, those that are listening and watching, Father, Lord, I know that that we're all in different places in our life. Father, thank you this morning that you wrote for us these These stories of truth about individuals who lived in real time, in a real place, with real circumstances, trusting and leaning on a real God when their life came apart and they didn't understand what you were up to or what was happening, God. Thank you, Lord, that you wrote this for us so that we could see how you were working in their life in spite of the circumstances they found themselves in. Lord, thank you that we can gain encouragement this morning from the story of Joseph. What an incredible story of a young man, 17 years of age, Lord, that you set out to accomplish not only your will and purpose in his life, but also your greater purpose that would affect the lives of many others. Father, this morning, no matter where we find ourselves, Lord, you were there. God, it doesn't matter if we're at a place where we struggle to even see uh, your your nearness, Lord. We struggle to even hear your voice, Lord. It, It makes no difference, God, you are here. Whether you're on the mountaintop like I was just a few days ago, or whether you're in the valley, Lord, it makes no difference, God, you are there. There's no place that we can go where your spirit is not. Thank you for that this morning, and thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Follow along with me. I've got a little reading I want to do this morning as we set the stage for what we're going to share. I'm going to talk about game changers today. A game changer. By the way, how many of you know that God is a game changer? He's a game changer. And I am so thankful that He is. We're going to talk about the providence of God once again as we did last week, or excuse me, two weeks ago. And, and then we're going to move on and look at the life of Joseph. And we're going to see now, in real time, how this young man lived his life and how God lived and God worked and God moved in Joseph's life in spite of these circumstances that he had no choice in the matter and yet he, he was having to live and endure them. How God was faithful to him and how Joseph remained faithful in trusting his God through the circumstances of his life that were very difficult. And so my encouragement for you today is that you would learn and understand how amazing your God is and how you can trust him in all aspects of your life. Follow along with me. We're going to read the entire chapter of, of Genesis 39. I'm going to be reading in the, NL, uh, the uh, ESV this morning. Um, it should be up here on the screen also, but if you have a different translation, it may just be worded a little bit different. But follow along with me. Now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him the overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From that time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field, so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in his house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except for you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And he And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house she called to the men of her household and said to them See he has see he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us He came into me to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice and as soon as he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out he left his garment beside me and fled, at, fled and got out of the house Then she said then then she laid up his garment by her until her, his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as the master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, that is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. What an incredible God that we serve. What an incredible God. As we think about the story of Joseph, one thing that we have to keep in mind is that this is Joseph, a real man, a young boy of the age of 17, Now who for nearly 20 years now was going to be living in this time of of God working through him and in him though in circumstances that he had no choice in. And that what we read here, we cannot be guilty of somehow over-spiritualizing this man Joseph. That this is simply just a story for us to enjoy. This is real life, real color, happening just the way it would happen today in your life and in my life. And God was with Joseph. Now, as we study this, we're going to learn now and study more about this providential hand of God. There are those that are would call themselves by the name of Christ today and maybe you're there and maybe you believe this way that God somehow was like the clockmaker. He created everything. He turned the clock on, hit the button start, and then God steps back away from his creation and everything that's happening now is simply simply being done by random choices and events and circumstances of men in life. That is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is very involved in his creation. He's very actively involved in your life. Some of you think, well, I'm very insignificant. Listen, when you think about 320 million people that live in the United States alone, it makes you maybe feel like you're absolutely insignificant and that God does not have any time or any desire to be involved in your life. But that is not the truth. God is very involved in the aspect of what's going on in our life and what God is up to in the life of every single believer are two things that you need to remember. God is in the development now of what's going on. These are two areas you have to see what's going on in Joseph's life. There's two things that God is doing. He is developing something in Joseph and he's developing his plan through Joseph. So in Joseph, God is developing his character. God is doing exactly what he's doing in your life and in my life. It's called this process of sanctification. That God is using absolutely every circumstance in our life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the warts, I mean the mountaintops, the valleys. He's using everything in our life to bring about the sanctification of our own souls, that we would become more and more and more like Christ. He's developing that in you. That's how loving your God is. That he is so so involved in your life that he wants to develop the character attributes of what it means to have the attributes of Christ. That's what he's doing in your life. And he's using all of these things to bring about your sanctification. That's what God is doing in your life. But even bigger than that on the outside is God is fulfilling now through you his purpose for something even bigger. And that's what God was doing in Joseph's life. He's developing his character. In the midst of of four things that we're going to look at starting this morning, there's four things that God uses in the development of not only our character, but also in the development of his eternal plan through every single one of his own. Every one of us. In fact, you are so unique There's no one out there who has your DNA, who has your fingerprint, who has your looks. Nobody. Nobody has, you are unique. Aren't you glad God didn't make everything the same? I mean, you might go to the mountains like I was last week and you look at these pines and you say, yeah, these are all great pine trees, but every one of them is a little bit different. And God has so uniquely placed you. And we're going to look at this four things I want you to see this morning about Joseph's life and about what God is doing in your life. You need to know these things that God is going to use four things as he's developing his character attributes of, his, of Christ's likeness in you. And he's developing his purpose through you. Four areas. Number one is going to be people. People are going to be used by God to bring about the development of your character and also the development of his plan and purpose through your life. And as we're going to look at the, the, the people that were in Joseph's life, there were many different people. Let me say this, there are those that have a very positive impact on your life. You all know people like that. And then there's others that not so much In fact, there's others that if I think about their name right now, I'd like to go out and roll out in the parking lot with them and solve the issue, right? God uses people in our life, some of them for the lifting up, some of them for the chiseling away of things that need to be cut out. He uses people. Even the ones that irritate you the most, God uses people in our life. Because if I really want to know some of the attributes of my sanctification, just put me around a person that rubs me the wrong way. It will very quickly bring to surface an area of my life that God says, you know what, we need to go ahead and do a little sanding here, son. How many of you know it's no fun to be chiseled on or sanded on? It's no fun. Absolutely not. It might be somebody at work. How many of you know you can switch jobs five times, the same person's there but a different face? You're like, okay, God, just get me through this. Let's get this. I don't want to do another round of this. Let's just do it, right? I will do it right this time, right? Thank the Lord for that. The second thing he's going to use, thank you, Tommy. The second thing he's going to use is he's going to use circumstances in our life. And every one of us is going to have different circumstances, Some of the circumstances that we are in, we have chosen. Some of them we have not chosen. But nonetheless, God wastes absolutely nothing in the life of a believer. He doesn't waste your past at all. Some of you say, well, my past was a waste. Listen to me. When you came to faith in Christ, nothing is a waste to the God who created everything. He uses everything. You say, John, he even uses the really, really, really bad things of my past. God uses absolutely everything for good in your life. Everything, he does that. Some of you say, well, I could have done without that chapter. Yes, you probably could have, but praise God. He is a God that can bring about life even from death. God does that. Thank you, Jesus, for that. So he uses circumstances. The next thing you're going to notice, all throughout Scripture, not only does he use people, he uses circumstances, but also he uses specific locations. You say, well, John, why am I where I'm at? You know, I mean, we can just say this, that I feel like my life is a bunch of randomness. You need to go to the mountains of Colorado and just spend some time in creation, What you're going to learn about this creator God, this Genesis creator, the beginning from nothing spoke everything into existence, what you're going to learn about your God is this. Not anything that he has created, nothing that he has created is random. From the smallest little gnat that flies around to the the amazing landscape that you see everything that we see that god has created and made for his glory and for his purpose everything has purpose everything does everything nothing's random god is a god of purpose so location has something to do with it some of you say well i've been living in multiple states you think that's all by chance my wife and I had a great discussion yesterday afternoon as we were talking about the providence of God, and, um, and she brings some great points in that I need to hear. And we discussed different things, and, and so we would discuss things like, well, okay, I, I see that. Well, what about if, if tomorrow we, we left uh, uh, um, Texas and we just went to Guatemala? I say, well, that's, that's all great and fine, but the truth is, we're not. <laughs> Do you know why we're not? because of the providence of God because if God put in my heart that I needed to move from Texas to Guatemala guess what we would do I would go to Guatemala why would I do that because God is providentially moving my heart and my soul in a direction that God would lead me that way and I might think you know what honey let's go to Guatemala she would say you're an idiot (laughs) that's what she would say But the truth is, we think that we come up with all of these things in our mind. Why are you here? Why did you go through the application process and all of a sudden you got the job? Why is that? You think it's just randomness. No, it is not. Let me tell you one of the greatest things about being a Christian outside of my salvation and my forgiveness and the mercy and grace of God. This is it. That when I am in Christ Jesus, life has absolute meaning and purpose every single moment of my life (laughs) thank God for that you say I'm in a dead-end job no you're not in a dead-end job You are at a place that God will work through you and in you not only to chisel and shape and mold and build character like he did in the life of Joseph, but it's also going to be God is going to be working his greater plan outside of that. There may be someone there that in passing you just say something so simple you had no idea, but it rocked that person to the very core of their being. You say, John, that's insignificant. No, it's not. That is purpose, man. I don't care what your job is. There is meaning. There is purpose in what you do. Why? Because God is providentially fingerprinting everything that you do and you're a part of. What a God we serve. What an incredible God we serve. Oh, he gives meaning to life. The atheist says this, we came from nothing, we're going nowhere, and we have no purpose for being here. What kind of existence is that? It's a horrible existence. It's not a godly and biblical existence. So the location, where you're at, God orchestrates and moves. Let me read this to you out of Proverbs. It's a verse that many of you have heard and and, and many of you know. Proverbs 16, 9. This shows the providence of God. I'm going to read it to you in the NIV. We can make our plans... But the Lord determines our steps. See, this is the incredible thing. I look back over the quarter of my life, and there are times that I really thought that I was making decisions. And you know what? I was making decisions. But when I look back, I see the providential hand of God. What was God doing even in the season of life that I had no clue or understanding what God was doing, where he was at, and why I was where I was? What I see when I look backwards is I see this incredible, loving, merciful hand of Almighty God reaching into my life. And out of his own sovereignty and his own goodness and his own mercy and his own love, what was he doing? He was simply orchestrating me as I went through life. He was directing my path. I was making a decision. Yes, I was, but that was God moving and working in my life. God's providence is incredible. It's incredible. What God does. So locations, another thing. If you look at Joseph, man, he starts out there at Daddy's home. His dad simply sends him off to go check on his brothers. Go to Dauphin and find out where your brothers are. He shows up. They're not there. They went 15 miles north. And he goes up there to check him. And what does he find out? His brothers see him coming. His brothers hate him. His brothers capture him. Joseph didn't go, hey, boys, I'll jump into that. Don't touch me. They threw him into a pit. You ever seen a 17-year-old young, young man? I, I like to do that with my boys even when they're 17. I want to let them know I still got the upper hand. Even if I have to cheat. See, one, one of the great things about being a dad is you, already, you know how to cheat. Yeah, you know that thing of, oh, dad, yeah, that's, that got gotcha. you. I know I about broke your femur, but that was me getting the upper hand. You want them to know, you know, you're always testing it. But let me tell you something. They're stout at 17. The good news is, I can cheat. There's no rules for dads. Zero. Right? Okay. And so here this 17-year-old boy is, and we get this picture of his 11, well, his ten brothers at this point, because his younger brother's still at home. They're, they're gathering around this guy. They smack and grab a hold of him. I'm sure Joseph didn't go, hey, 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 hey. No worries here, I'll just jump in that empty pit. Yeah, sure. There was fighting, squabbling, probably some black eyes, bleeding going on. This 17-year-old kid wasn't going to back down and be thrown into a pit, especially when they're talking about killing him. Go ahead, just do it, boys. I'll stand right here, put a blindfold on, we got this thing. No. It was physical. It was screaming, there was hollering, there was kicking, there was biting, there was punching. It was real going on. They grab him, and they throw him into this pit, and I'm sure he whacked the bottom when he got there. And then they're standing above him, laughing. Let's see what comes of your dreams now, boy. You're going to die. We're going to kill you. I can't wait to see the last breath come out of your lungs. And there's Joseph looking up at the men that were supposed to love him, protect him, sold out. And then, just so happens, the Ishmaelites happened to be coming by that day and one of the brothers comes up with an idea hey let's not kill the boy let's profit off the boy we don't want the blood on our hands right so they get him up out of the pit and now they sell him for 20 basically for the middle of what it cost to buy a slave joseph got the middle price He didn't get the high end. He got the middle price. Didn't get the low end because I'm sure the brothers were dickering. Whoa, 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 whoa. I can't even buy me some shawarma when I get down to town. We're going to have to go a little higher on the price here. They go for the high price first. Are you kidding? Look at that little thing. I'm not paying that for going back and forth. Got the middle price. And I can guarantee you, Joseph, he didn't just walk over to the camel and say, no problem, boys, I'm jumping on. No, Well, he'd have done exactly what you did. I bet they were snot slinging. I bet they were screaming. I bet he was begging his brothers. I bet he was saying, don't do this, man. Don't do this. I can only imagine what was going on in the story in real color here when Joseph was being sold to some slave traders. It was real. And I'm sure in Joseph's mind it was, God, where are you? God, what in the world is going on? I'm sure when he was on the camel, strapped with his hands tied and his feet tied to the stirrups of that beast, I'm sure as he was now going along back to Egypt, I'm sure he was asking God, Okay, listen, God, what about the dream you gave me? What about what your word says? You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me, God. What about these verses that I've memorized in Scripture? And I'm going to quote them to you, God, just so you know that I know them. And here's Joseph on his way now with these Ishmaelites, been sold for a middle slave price, sold out by his brothers, nearly murdered by his brothers, stripped of what all he knew and all he had and who he was, and now he's on his way to Egypt. And I'm sure Joseph wasn't going, well, God, I'm glad you got a plan here. No, Joseph was crying out to God. I can only imagine the conversation he was having with the God of his great-grandpa when he actually came and the angel of the Lord stopped the knife on his grandfather and he provided a ram for him to be sacrificed. I'm sure he said, Okay, God, where's the ram? Bring the ram, God. Let's get this thing over with. God didn't bring a ram. He didn't bring a ram. Okay, God. My great-grandma was 90 years old. My great-grandfather was 100 And you did a miracle, God. I heard the miracles from my grandfather about how his daddy was 100 years old and my grandma's womb was dried completely up, God. And guess what you did? You performed a miracle for my great-grandfather and my grandfather was conceived in miraculous conception. That's a miracle. God, pull that one out for me right now. God didn't do anything. You been there? Have you quoted God the scriptures? Have you quoted and told him out loud about what he's done in the past? About the miracles? (laughs) About his faithfulness? And God doesn't say a word. Joseph, he had some time to think on that camel, I can guarantee you. Maybe bitterness began to creep in. Maybe he was already planning. Tonight, when they stop to camp, if I get loose and I get free, there's going to be ten dead men. You been there? God seemed to be distant. God seemed to have forgotten Joseph. But listen to me, Christian. God didn't forget Joseph. And God hasn't forgot you. God is working a divine plan, not only in you, but through you. That's what God is doing. Some of you here this morning, Say, John, I'm struggling with my faith. Welcome to the club. People say, well, Christians shouldn't struggle with their faith. Really? That's a foolish statement. (laughs) Joseph, I guarantee you his faith was rocked. Guarantee it. Maybe you're disillusioned by life. Life doesn't seem to have any meaning or purpose anymore. Maybe you've succumbed to an addiction. And what you feel like is running your life is a drug. Maybe it's a pornographic addiction. Maybe it's a substance addiction. Whatever the addiction might be, I don't know. Maybe depression has come in and it's robbing you of joy, peace, happiness. I don't know what it is. But you need to hear it today. God has not abandoned his children. He has not. And the one thing I want to mention too is we're only in chapter 39. You got to go to chapter 50 to see the end of Joseph's story. God is not through writing your story. It's one of the things I say about God. He has the last word in everything. I don't care if it's a disease, I don't care if it's a date. God sets it all. Let me read this last verse to you that I didn't read that I told you I would. Yes, I did read it, but I'm going to read it again. (laughs) The heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I'm going to close with this verse, and then we're going to be back in this next week. I pray to God that this encourages you no matter where you are in life right now. I hope that you'll get a hold of this and be blessed by it. Genesis chapter 50. You meant it for evil, but God has meant it for good. His brothers intended it to be evil, but look what God did. Read the story in Genesis chapter 15 and find out where Joseph sat at this point. And look what God has done in his life. God is doing the same thing in yours. You are not insignificant no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter where you've come from, no matter who your parents are, no matter what your past is, no matter how grievous, how bad, how evil, how dark. It doesn't matter. God is Working His plan in you. That we can be sure. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, Lord, I know. I know, Father, that there are many here even this morning that they're struggling. They don't understand. God, they got a lot of questions for you. There's nothing new here, Lord. Joseph had a lot of questions for you too, God. But Lord, you've given us your word. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You promise you'll never leave us or forsake us. You tell us there's nothing in all creation that can separate us from your love. Lord, we know that this morning. And Lord, you have never, ever anywhere in your word said that we are supposed to understand everything. But you do say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So, Lord, this morning, the best we can do is just say, I don't understand, but I will trust you. The questions I have, I lay them at your feet. And Lord, if you so choose to give me an answer, praise you for that. But if you don't, I will trust you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're faithful. We love you. And I pray that you would just minister to the hearts of every single person that's here this morning, every person that's watching this morning, and everyone listening to this radio program this morning, that, God, you would minister to their heart by the Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen. If you all need to talk or pray, I'll I'll be up here for a while to, to, to just fellowship with you. Have an awesome week.